Hey, my name is John Whitaker, and I want to welcome you to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. My hope, my prayer, my heart on this podcast is that it would help you in some way grow deeper in your faith, live more faithfully to Jesus, and follow Him with everything you have. That's really the whole heart behind everything I do. And so I'm glad you're here joining me on this podcast. I want to just take a second and encourage you, if you haven't had a chance, to check out my other podcast, I guess. It's sort of a little different than a typical podcast, but it's just called The Listener's Commentary on the New Testament. So if you want guidance straight through books of the New Testament, that's what The Listener's Commentary does. And I've got nine New Testament books done. I'm about two-thirds of the way through the Gospel of Luke for a tenth book. And just working through the New Testament, the goal getting the whole New Testament done, where basically... I provide down-to-earth, clear, but in-depth Bible teaching straight through books of the New Testament, just sort of like a normal book commentary. So like if you've ever you know, heard about commentaries or used a commentary to help in your Bible study, that's really what this is. It's just in audio fashion. It's called the Listener's Commentary of the New Testament. So I encourage you to check that out if you're reading through the Gospel of Luke, reading through Ephesians or Philippians, Galatians, James, some of those books, man, this could be helpful to you just to help you understand some of those passages, think it through, and just kind of guide you through it. So listeners, comment on the New Testament. You might check that out if you're looking for some help just studying books of the New Testament. All right, uh, on this episode, I want to jump into a new topic and a new series that uh, is just really exploring kind of a New Testament theme uh, that is has been really helpful to me to try to hold things in balance. Uh, let me just read you a couple passages that I think set up the tension that probably all of us in some regards have felt or experienced, and this theme speaks into and explains the reason for this tension. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 To illustrate this, Paul writes, But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us reveals the fragrance of the knowledge of him in every place. And so God always leads us in triumph. Or Paul says again in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, In these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Both of those always leads us in triumph, overwhelmingly conquer. That sounds like the victorious Christian life, right? And we, we want to live that. We sing about that. We, we get excited about that. But the same Paul who wrote those words also said, we have this treasure in earthen containers so that the extraordinary greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. So he goes on in verse 8 and says, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not despairing persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying around in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. There's the tension. We, on one hand, are always led in triumph. We're overwhelmingly conquerors. And at the same time, we're afflicted in every way. We're perplexed. We're persecuted. We're struck down, right? Like, we, we, we struggle, we suffer, we, it's hard, and yet we overwhelmingly conquer. Have you ever felt that tension in trying to follow Jesus? Like, on Sunday, 
you sing and you celebrate about the triumph and the victory and the the greatness that you've been given in Jesus, right? You sing and you celebrate all that Jesus has done for you and how awesome God is and how wonderful it is to follow him. And you celebrate all that on Sunday. And yet by halfway through Monday, you're wondering what happened to that victory. Have you ever felt that tension? That's the tension I want to wrestle with over the next handful of weeks on this next series. And it's really a fine line to walk. Paul and the other apostles somehow managed to hold these two things together happily, even though they stood in tension with each other. Uh, on one hand, they held, we have victory in Jesus. On the other hand, they held, we struggle, suffer, and we battle to faithfully follow Jesus. Victory now, we have victory. Like, it's present tense. We have it. Victory now and struggle now. Somehow, Paul could hold those two things together. Peter could hold those two things together. James could hold those two things together. They could see that somehow we have this, this overwhelming victory in Jesus, and yet that victory is often experienced in struggle, difficulty, hardship, and suffering. How do we hold those two things together faithfully in Christ? And why are those two things our experience in Jesus? And yet, I think all of us have experienced that in some regard. So why is that the case? And there's really an important New Testament idea, New Testament theme that explains how, how we can have both of those things right now. And so on this episode, what I want to do is I want to kind of look at the big picture that locates where we're at in the scheme of God's plan of salvation and redemption. And then over the next few weeks, I want to take specific aspects of our current following of Jesus and, and look at how they're affected by and influenced by where we're at. Okay, so that's the plan. So let's jump in and talk about where we're at right now. Listen to these words from the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. Paul's uh, given an example from the Exodus time period, from way back 1,500 years before Paul's time in uh, the Exodus with Moses. He's given that example, and then he's using that to instruct the Corinthians. And so what he's going to say here is these things, the, the Exodus, the Old Testament events and stories, they happen... Uh, for our benefit, so we can learn from them and, and grow from them. And then he makes a really interesting little statement at the end of this verse. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, Paul says, Now these things, the stuff with the Exodus, happened to them as an example, and they were written down for our instruction. And so we can learn from them. We can learn what it looks like to follow Jesus, and we can learn God's way. So they, were, they happened to them as an example, written down for our instruction. And here's the phrase. Um, for our instruction, up on whom the ends of the ages have come. Did you catch that? Like, we are the people, Paul says, up on whom the ends of the ages have come. That's who we are. So the ends of the ages have come upon us. And yet, at the same time, it's not the end of the age. <laughs> so the ends of the ages have come upon us, but it's not the end of the age. It's not the end of all things. Prior to meeting Jesus, and having his life and his theology turned upside down by Jesus, Paul had a particular view of how redemption was going to happen and how God's plan was going to work out and how the end of the age would come. He, along with most of his Jewish kinsmen, had a very 
typical way of looking at the expectation, the plan. Here's sort of the way Paul understood things prior to meeting Jesus. When the ends of the ages came, Paul would have said prior to meeting Jesus, when that happened, God's kingdom would come fully. The spirit would be poured out. Death would be vanquished forevermore. The saints would be resurrected. There would be the great marriage feast, right, with the Messiah. Uh, and sin, disease, and death would have been vanquished and eradicated once and for all, and God would be all in all, and God's people, the Jews, would be ruling over all nations as the greatest kingdom on earth. That's what he would have expected. So prior to the coming of Jesus and meeting Jesus on Damascus Road, if Paul used the phrase, the ends of the ages, that's what would have happened. And yet here's Paul now saying, we are the people upon whom the ends of the ages have come, and yet things didn't play out the way he previously had thought. Like, Paul's living in a time when people still die. Uh, sin still persists. Suffering still happens through disease and heartache, right? Like, God's Spirit had been poured out, yes, but God's not all in all yet. And So, Paul believes Messiah had come. Jesus really is the Messiah. Paul knows the Spirit has been poured out, which means we've arrived at a culmination point in God's plan of redemption. And yet, at the same time, we still have things that are a mark of the old order of things, the old age. And so, on the one hand, for Paul, the ends of the ages have come, right? On, on the one hand, all things have be, become new, like New creation has begun. Paul can write that in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Like, new creation has begun. And yet, at the same time, the old things, the old order, the old creation still remains. And that's not what Paul would have expected prior to meeting Jesus. As a, as a Jew living in the first century, his expectation was that when the new creation began, the old age would just completely be vanquished and go away. And all things would be made new, right? Completely and totally, and all the old things would have been done away with. But that's not the way it played out. And so Paul has this, this unique experience of believing that Jesus is the king, and he's been exalted, and he has triumphed over the powers of evil and sin and death. And yet his kingship hasn't come completely, and those destructive forces, sin, evil, death, right? Those destructive forces haven't been totally vanquished or eliminated. And this, this shaped not only Paul's entire understanding of following Jesus, it shapes the entire New Testament's understanding of what it means to live in and follow Jesus in the present time. This kind of tension between these two realities. Here's a way to picture it. Picture a horizontal line running across a piece of paper. Um, this line represents the present evil age, as Paul calls it in First or Galatians chapter 1. It's the kingdom of man under the influence of the devil and his minions. It's governed by what Paul frequently calls the flesh, or the apostle John calls the world, right? And so this, this line represents this present world that's fallen and fleshly and broken, and it's marked by sin, disease, and death. This is the present age. Okay, so picture that line. Now, on the same piece of paper, picture another horizontal line running parallel to that 
first line and above it. So it's a parallel line running above it, and it begins like halfway down that first line. And so this new line starts partway down and goes beyond that first line running parallel to it. So the two lines overlap for a couple inches. Can you picture that scene? So one line and another line that overlaps with it for part of it. This new line represents the age to come, the new creation, the kingdom of God. It's the age not just of man, it's the age of the spirit, where the spirit is making all things new. It's the age marked by a new kind of life, abundant life, even eternal life, right? This new creation, this age to come. And so here on the first line, you have the present evil age. Here on the second line that overlaps with that first line for part of it, you have the age to come. And the point of the two lines overlapping is that the new creation, the age to come, has broken into the present evil age and is already here, but the present evil age is still here too. So the two Two kind of modes of living, two spheres of life overlap at present on earth. And so you have the age to come already beginning in the person of Jesus and the spirits. So you have the kingdom of Jesus and the kingdom of darkness, as Paul describes it in Colossians chapter 1, overlapping both present on earth right now. You have the present evil age and the age to come both at work here on 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 planet Earth. And so you have these two overlapping modes of existence. And in fact, if you draw vertical lines between those two lines, you get a little rectangle where they overlap. And so you have the present evil age uh, and the age to come overlapping. And those two lines are like two, represent two spheres of life on Earth that have two modes of living. Uh, one mode is the flesh. The other is the spirit, or one could be called darkness, the other the light. One is called the world, and one is called the new creation, right? One is called the kingdom of man, one is called the kingdom of God's beloved son. These two modes of living overlap at present on earth, and this is where we live. We live during the overlap of the ages. We live during the overlap of the present evil age and the age to come. Like the age to, that's, that's going to exist for all eternity with life and power and joy and love and blessing has already broken in the here and now. The problem is, at the same time, we still have the present evil age. It didn't immediately go away. And we get this overlap. And this shapes and affects not only... Uh, our understanding of the New Testament, but our total experience of the Christian life. Um, if we turn the dial, say, too far towards the age-to-come side, we get what theologians call an over-realized eschatology. That leads to triumphalism, like, oh yeah, we can have this victorious Christian life, and we can name it and claim it, and Jesus has won the victory. We don't have to really deal with sin, suffering, struggle, disease, because in Jesus, we are triumphant. And so if we claim that, uh, turn the dial up too far to that side, that's what we get, this over-realized eschatology uh, that leads to triumphalism and some of the name and claim it stuff we see, right? But on the other hand, if we turn the dial up too far to the other side, we kind of risk defeatism. 
Ah, the world's just bad. I'm just a sinner with no hope of victory over sin, right? We're just plodding our way through this hard, difficult, miserable life until death, and then we'll finally get goodness and victory then. But for now, it's just a lot of difficulty and hardship. But someday, someday, we'll, we'll get to be free and we'll get to be with Jesus, and then things will really become victorious, right? So the tension is, the trick is, to really live in the tension presented by the overlap without turning the dial too far one way or the other. So, for example, like Paul says, we're redeemed. We've experienced redemption, and yet we're awaiting the day of our redemption. Or we've died to sin, but sin's not dead, so we have to put it to death. Or our outer man is wasting away, but inwardly we're being renewed day by day. We struggle, suffer, get confused, perplexed, and all that stuff that we read at the beginning, and yet we aren't overwhelmed, we're not abandoned, and we're not destroyed, and we're more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. That's the tension. We have to hold both those things together because of where we live in God's plan of redemption and salvation. And so think of it like X marks the spot. You are here. You are here. In this overlap, that's why there's tension. You are here where the age to come has begun, but it's not completed. Where the kingdom of God's dear son is inaugurated, is started, but it isn't finished. Where victory has been won, Jesus is risen from the dead and exalted to God's right hand. He has triumphed over the devil and defeated him, so victory has been won. But the war isn't over. You are here. That's where we live. We live at this point where we have this tension and this struggle until God makes all things 100% and completely new. And so what I want to do over the next handful of episodes in this series is just explore a few things about this tension and try to understand what the New Testament says about that so that we can hold these these two truths in balance together, that we do have victory right now. Uh, We do have victory, but that victory is often experienced and expressed in difficulty and weakness, that God's power is manifested in our weakness so that the victory and the glory is obviously coming from Jesus and not from ourselves. And really, that passage we read at the beginning, you hear it there. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we read that about uh, being perplexed but not despairing, persecuted but not abandoned. But the last verse, verse 10 says, always carrying around in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. And so in the meantime, that's where we live. We live in this time period where both of those things are true. The resurrection life of Jesus is present in us, uh, but we still have the suffering and the weakness and the difficulty of the present evil age around us. And so we carry about in our body the dying of Jesus so that the resurrection of life of Jesus can be manifested in us and through us as well, so that Everything can point to the the power and the wisdom and the victory and the greatness of King Jesus himself. And so we live in the meantime, between the overlap of the ages, where we have the victory of resurrection life and the exaltation of Jesus, 
And yet, at the same time, we have the weakness, the struggle, the suffering, and the difficulty that comes with a world that's still not all it's supposed to be, and someday won't be. But that day hasn't come just yet. Hey, I hope that's at least helpful to giving a perspective not only on how to read the New Testament, but also on why it is in our Christian life we have this this tension between victory and struggle, uh, grace and suffering, goodness and hardship all together. So I hope that at least provides some perspective, maybe some encouragement to you in the present time. I look forward to kind of exploring some big themes related to that over the next few weeks. All right, thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Bible in Life. Thanks to each and every one of you who make this ministry possible by your generous support and your faithful prayers. Uh, May God bless you for that. And even more than that, may God use your prayers and your generosity to make a difference in the lives of all sorts of people, people you and I may never meet until the world is finally completely 100% made new. God bless you guys. I hope you have a wonderful week in Christ. I look forward to talking to you again next week.